I'm from Jeansville, Wisconsin. It's a town of about 63,000 people. General Motors closed its doors there in 2008 and finalized the process in 2009. That was 1,200 jobs, an additional few hundred jobs in secondary workforce. So let's call it 2,000 people lost their jobs. That's sad. You know, they had to find money elsewhere. They had to figure out their situation. And quite a few of those folks were lower or middle class. But you know what no one talks about is that not only they had a problem, but in 08, 09, all the white collar folks had a problem too, because a lot of those people had investments that nosedived 30, 40, 50%. And all of a sudden their calculations were, oh, I don't have five years until retirement. I have 15. They thought that they had investment stashes caches rather, that were larger than they actually were once the market pulled back. But between people who lost their jobs, people who lost their opportunity of an early retirement, the one commonality there is that people in the lower class and the upper class who had cash flowing assets weren't hurt nearly as hard because they had the extra $500,000, $10,000 of income every month that helped them float through their hard times, whatever it was. This is Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate, where we guide you through the relentless pursuit of financial independence. I'm your host, Justin Moy, managing partner at Perpetual Wealth Capital, a multifamily real estate investing firm that lets everyday people invest passively in income-producing apartment buildings. Hey, investors, welcome back to another episode of Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate. Today, I'm sitting down with Bradley. Now, Bradley found his passion for real estate investing while serving as a helicopter pilot in the Navy. And just like flying, investing requires planning and proper execution to successfully navigate the many variables to reach your financial goals. Now, becoming a great operator is what drives him to pursue his passion for creating successful results with their investment group. Bradley, thank you so much for coming on. That was a phenomenal introduction. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I like to introduce the guests because we like to dive right in and just talk about your experience. So you have actually done both, right? And in the military, we call people who have played both sides enlisted and officer Mustang. So you're kind of a Mustang of the investment world where you were a passive investor and now you're an active investor. So tell us a little bit about that, what your experience was like and what made you want to switch sides here. Yeah. A Mustang is a really good way to put it. I've never made that connection. I've been you know, <laughs> thinking of parallels and analogies, trying to show people how my officer background is just a great fit for being an operator and a sponsor. And Mustang is an interesting way to put it. But yeah, I guess I'm a Mustang in the real estate world. It's been 10 years of being in the Navy. And by the time this podcast airs, I'll be officially off the Navy's books and out and doing symphony full-time. We've been going at it for about three years and what really made me want to pull the trigger is real estate, in particular, commercial real estate, really attracted my wife and I five, six years ago. And I had experience investing in all sorts of different things, including some single family, but in particular in the stock market and options and other things that move a lot faster and quicker than real estate. And eventually, as I looked at where I really want to build my wealth for decades at a time, commercial real estate really, really became the answer, even in comparison to looking at some of the traditional and normal retirement portfolios that we build. I still favor commercial real estate for a lot of reasons. So we wanted to pursue that and we started taking LP positions and I learned quite a bit, but I soon realized that this is a fairly new industry, the syndication model. 
And if I was going to break away from the Navy and run my own business, this wasn't a bad one to be in. I like the concept of building on top of something I was doing in my spare time anyways, and just getting better at my own investing and running a business model like this. And two and a half, three years ago, met up with my three partners, Ellis, Keith, and Jeremy. And we really just hit the ground running towards the proper business model of being a general partner. What makes you favor commercial real estate? And I love having people on that have a multitude of experience because a lot of listeners out there might still be finding their way in the alternative investment space. This is not necessarily a syndication podcast. It's just kind of broad real estate. So there's a lot of people who right now are in single family or do wholesale or flip or do notes. And they're kind of thinking, is this my forever plan? Or is there something bigger, better out there that I should do? So do you specifically do multifamily or are you in other aspects as well? Within the syndication model, Symphony's completely focused on multifamily. We do have experience with mobile home parks and RV situations, and I've invested in self-storage, but multifamily is remaining our company's bread and butter. We've hunted around the Southwest for a few years now, but we're really dead set and very focused on Dallas, Texas, DFW for the next six to 12 months. We've got some capabilities there, and we're going to continue to expand on that. But your point of commercial real estate and multifamily, what attracts me to that? I'll give you a very specific example. It's tax season and syndications give you a K-1 form so that you can submit that with your personal tax returns. This is extremely unique to syndicating compared to other investment vehicles and what those return forms are. With a K-1, depreciation from the underlying asset passes through to the investor. Why does that matter? I'll get specific. I made a $150,000 investment in a 351 unit class A asset in Houston, Texas, where the market's only going to grow every single year for the foreseeable future. The rent rates are only going to go up. And that specific property is the best looking property on the block, let alone the entire neighborhood. If people can afford it, they want to be in it. If they can't afford a house, they want this property. If they have to back out of a house because something happens in the environment or the economy, this is the property they back out into. Now on $150,000, I fully expect to get paid 15 plus percent on an annualized basis when this property is closed out. So if I hold it for five years, at the end of five years, the accumulative amount of money will equal in the high teens of a percent return on my initial 150,000. Now, while I wait to make that money in five years, which is roughly the business timeframe on this one, there's some cash flow. So right now that particular investment is paying me about $600 a month. So that goes right in my bank account every month. And I don't pay taxes on that it's already written off because of the large deductions on the real estate. So every month, yeah, in this case, it is monthly. Some distributions can be quarterly, but every month I get my 600 bucks on my 150, which isn't very high for cash flow. It's pretty low when you start doing the math. It's about 4%. It'll start pushing up to 5%, but we're also at the beginning of owning this asset. Point being, I'm getting paid, which is taking risk off the table, which is returning me effectively, lowering the amount of capital that I actually have in the deal, again, lowering the risk profile. But more importantly, it's helping stabilize my lifestyle because the only other way that I'm paying for my expenses this month, next month, the month after that is through our cash flow. Right now, that's my wife's job and my job and a few passive investments that properly cash flow. But the real key here is to gain and shoot for $3,000, $5,000, $20,000 of cash flow that give me the option. I can either spend that money and increase my lifestyle and do what I want with it. Or I can do the smarter alternative situation, which is to just reinvest it. 
and I'm reinvesting dollars that are coming back tax-free in most situations, not deferred, but tax-free. Now, where this really becomes a pretty situation is in two factors. The first factor is the rest of the depreciation that I'm capturing. On my K-1, this is the first year on this particular asset that I received this K-1, I have a $110,000 write-off. I could have $110,000 of profit this past year in 2021 on any other passive investment, whether it was my Facebook shares, Google shares, other real estate, some big sale of whatever, anything passive, as long as it falls into the passive bucket, I can write off 110 grand. I don't even have 110 grand worth of profit, but one day when I do, it'll be tax-free because it'll all be written off thanks to all these real estate investments that have heavy, heavy deductions. So for anyone that's high net worth, high income, that's building up their cash flow, building up uh, their investment snowball, if they want to make larger gains every year and maximize their return, the more of a return you're expecting on any investment, the underlying risk is almost undoubtedly getting higher. There are very few situations where the risk isn't incrementally or substantially rising with the increased rate of return. Yep. So what does that mean? You have to take more risk to make more money. Well, most investments right now that have an appropriate amount of risk, real estate being one of them, stock baskets and ETFs being yep. another, are going to pay you, let's call it between 8 and 20%. Big range, but it's going to pay you in there. So the other way to get ahead is to not have to pay tax on all of that profit. If you're in the 35% bracket, or maybe you're effectively paying 40% because you're already in the top notch and you're paying state taxes, (laughs) the next way to win is to save on all that tax liability and not have to pay it. And the liability you do have can be deferred through multiple methods, including a 1031 exchange. So that to me, Justin, is all about keeping what you kill. If I take the risk and I make the investment and I get paid 18%, on whatever my investment is, not needing to foot that tax bill is huge because I'm keeping more of what's mine without increasing my risk. It's highly predictable. I know in five years, I'm roughly doubling my money on most of the things I'm participating in, and I don't have a tax bill in addition to that. There are other things you could double your cash in. There are other things with great returns. If they don't write off or defer the taxes, that's a huge expense that's taking away from you. It's like trying to run faster and faster When you try to run faster and faster, your headwinds increase. Imagine being able to just run in a vacuum pressure tunnel where there's no wind resistance. That's what it's like investing with a K1 that gives you substantial deductions. So there's my analogy of the day. What a pilot thing to say, you know? (laughs) You know, I've never used that. that. It just hit me while I was talking. I was like, all right, I'm going to throw this one out here. You hit on a couple of key points that so many people, when we start talking, whether it's our first investor call, or it's just, I'm casually talking at dinner with friends or family, just don't really think of when they think of their investments. It's the taxes and the lifestyle. You get money every single month. I would agree that most people, if they're listening, be comfortable with quarterly. I think most people are going to get quarterly, but you could break that down into monthly. You get cash every month. What I call that is realizing return. In any other investment stocks or anything that you are going to buy and sell off, once you realize your return, sell off your stock portfolio, you get hit with that tax. But here's the thing is, if you don't want to get hit with that tax, what you do is you don't sell. And some people say, well, I made a million dollars in the stock market last year and I paid no taxes. Great. But you don't really have a million dollars. 
you can't eat with your portfolio. You can't trade stocks for groceries or for rent or any of those things. It doesn't impact your life. And when it does impact your life, you eat that tax. So in real estate, you are realizing return at can change your life. 600 bucks a month. Yeah, that might not be a lot to some people, but to others, that's rent. I mean, free rent every single month it could be. When you plan out your investment goals, Justin, think about this. Most people, they're either focused on hitting three or $5 million. That's what they want the nest egg to be. Or if they're focused on cash flow, they say, okay, I want to be making 10 grand a month. That'd be fantastic. Whatever their number is, it's appropriate. So let's say my target's 10 grand a month. That'd be fantastic because that's effectively replacing all of my income right now. It's great. But you know what? Even when I get to the point in year three or four, where I'm making $2,000 a month, that's impactful. And I have the option to do what I want with that money. I'm getting squeezed a little bit. All right, I'll keep it in my wallet for safety. I'm ready to invest in the next project. Let's invest it. We'll let it keep snowballing. Your point about equities and stocks is so critical because when you take a 10, 20, or 30-year timeline, it is not realized. It's all theoretical and it's not doing anything for you. And investment advisors and professional investors, like I just read an article three, four days ago from MarketWatch and it was an investor saying, Hey, I'm getting high teens percents returns on these real estate investments I'm doing, mostly syndications. Why don't investment advisors kick people over to that? What is their opinion? And they had an opinion from an investment advisor. They were quoting him. And a lot of what he was saying was, and I'm paraphrasing, but his words were that many people like receiving cash flow because they're able to actualize the return, which is true. They realize the return, but they end up spending that money on whatever they want. And they're really just using it to facilitate their current lifestyle. And their overall investment doesn't perform in the way that they believe it will, or to the level that they were sold at. And that's simply not true. What is that? That's the simple act of investment discipline. If you're receiving your return today, you simply have to reinvest it. If you have enough discipline to reinvest and not spend it on Gucci, you're good. And you've realized your gains and you are accumulating wealth much, much faster than the quintessential 8% theoretical return year over year in the equities market. Justin, I got to throw this in here because this is something that I realized a couple months ago and you're the first podcast that I'm going to drop this knowledge on. I'm from Janesville, Wisconsin. It's a town of about 63,000 people. General Motors closed its doors there in 2008 and finalized the process in 2009. That was 1,200 jobs, an additional few hundred jobs in secondary workforce. So let's call it 2,000 people lost their jobs. That's sad. You know, They had to find money elsewhere. They had to figure out their situation. And quite a few of those folks were lower or middle class. But you know what no one talks about is that not only they had a problem, but in 08, 09, all the white collar folks had a problem too. Because a lot of those people had investments that nosedived 30, 40, 50%. And all of a sudden their calculations were, oh, I don't have five years until retirement. I have 15. They thought that they had investment stashes, caches rather, that were larger than they actually were once the market pulled back. But between people who lost their jobs, people who lost their opportunity of an early retirement, the one commonality there is that people in the lower class and the upper class who had cash flowing assets weren't hurt nearly as hard because they had the extra $500,000, $10,000 of income every month that helped them float through their hard times, whatever it was. It's from any investment level, high net worth, high income, 
or you're blue collar and just trying to find the next rental, real estate pays dividends, literally. Yeah. And it can help you out today while enhancing what you make over the long-term horizon. Mm -hmm. And that is so important for people to embrace. The investor mentality. I find investment theory and what works best for different individuals to be fascinating because Pam and I, our goal right now is a certain amount of cash flow. We want that cash flow. And on the way to making that cash flow, we want to pivot a little bit. We want to work a little less, maybe work a little bit more to speed up our goals, but we want the option. I've talked with other high net worth, high income individuals, and they see it two different ways. I literally had this conversation in the last two or three weeks, two different gentlemen. They're both making high, high six figures. One of them said, Bradley, I don't care about the cash flow. I just want to maximize my return. The other is very focused on maximizing his cash on cash. And he wants eight plus percent on everything, which is getting harder and harder to find. Yeah. But they're both ballpark making the same amount of money, but they have different mindsets and different commitments. Neither is really wrong, but only one of them is being focused on ensuring they're being paid quarter after quarter and mm -hmm. filling the gaps and smoothing their ramp to a proper retirement. Yeah. It's easy to think that you're safe when you're making a lot of money every year. But I know people who are making half a million dollars that are living paycheck to paycheck. Jeez. That's rich. That's not wealthy. <laughs> and when you divide the difference there, you might feel good bringing in $20,000, $25,000 a month, but you're just blowing cash. What do you have to show for it? Can you stop working? I know particular people that pick up more shifts because they want a vacation in France. And it's like, you know what? You've been doing this for a while. Had you been putting your money aside? those apartment complexes would pay for that vacation in France. If you want you that, right. Anything. You wouldn't be yeah. picking up two more shifts. Going back to what you said about financial advisors and them saying, we don't put people's money into syndications because they get cash flow and people don't want cash flow because that impacts their return. Because some models project you continuing to reinvest that return. That's what IR sort of does. IR calculates money now worth more because it's saying, Hey, if you can reinvest this money, but let's be honest. I mean, the reason why they don't is because they don't get paid on it. They don't get paid to flip you to a syndicator. And that's really the only reason. It's very hard to find any logical reason otherwise, because this is an enormously healthy thing for individuals to do. And it really enhances their life. And if you do want to go explode the extra couple hundred bucks a month, that's up to you. That's your decision. No problem. Investing should be about enhancing your lifestyle. For that one investor you said that just wants to chase yield, great. That's what makes him or her feel great. For the other investor that wants cash flow, it helps them sleep better at night. It doesn't matter if he's getting the most yield or not. Right. He wants to sleep better at night. And that's totally fine as well. I mean, I love the mentality. A lot of people in this field have that same mentality where we want things to impact our lives. We want to realize returns. We want to get around paying a ton of taxes to essentially cancel out our returns. I mean, like you said, hey, once you look at your index funds and you sell them off, you don't take into account the one to 2% a year for a manager to manage that. And then you don't take into account 2% inflation over 20 plus years. Then you don't take into account the 15 to 18% capital gains tax. And next thing you know, when I conducted a study myself, the stock market truly returned closer to 4 to 6% over the past 20 years or so. That's the P500. After just fees and taxes, not including inflation. So take it down 2 more percent. So the path is so clear. And that's why we have the podcast and we do content. And even guys like you go out there and we just have to tell people about it. Like if everybody knew about this, I don't think there'd be a single person who wouldn't participate in some capacity. So I really like how you had kind of that vision there as well. I want to get into kind of your model of syndication. What makes you guys, I guess, special, unique, different? What do you like to do? Do you have something that, hey, if investors come to you for a specific reason, is it the type of asset you purchase? Or tell us a little bit more about Symphony Capital. 
Yeah. So the team is very focused on Dallas, Fort Worth. So if that's your market or you like Texas in general, we'd love to promote our next asset to you and show you what we're all about. In the past, we have actually acquired a few different types of multifamily, your quintessential garden style C class, renovate it, turn it into a C plus. We've done class A, the 351 units I was talking about, stabilized, basically took it off of developers' hands who didn't change the rent cost quickly enough. And we're just coming in and bringing that up to market. And right now with this huge change nationwide with the value of currency and market rent rate, that's happening so quickly that for the time being, investors can grab that delta. They can make that difference between what the property is worth today and what it's worth in three years, let's call it, simply because the market is making huge advances. And that's not to say you want to rely solely on appreciation, but the writing's on the wall in a lot of markets where the supply is not increasing. I mean, that's not like a hashtag or a statement that everyone's throwing around. The supply is just not increasing. It's too expensive. When we can buy properties below their insurance cost of replacement in a place like Kansas City and know that if the building falls down, we could theoretically be paid about five grand more per unit than it actually costs to build the structure. People are going to continue to invest in existing units and not build them. It doesn't make sense to put your dollars into development. There are caveats. There are different situations. There are ways to make it happen. There is some development, but not at the current pace at which people are walking into Texas cities. If these aren't numbers you're paying attention to, please start paying attention to them as an investor. Pick a state that everyone keeps investing in, you keep hearing about, and look at the underlying numbers. That's where you want to be investing. Whether we're doing the C class to a C plus, if we're getting into that A, A minus area, which for Symphony, we're focused on DFW. We want the best looking property on the block. We want large stabilized assets that need some renovation, need some upkeep, could use some efficiencies, but they are in the submarkets of DFW that people are going to continue to move into for the next decade. And even if there are tough times in the economy, it's still going to be the desired property. We don't ever want to have to convince someone to move into one of our properties. We want them to see the quality from the outside. Once they get inside and see the quality there, it's a done deal. They're interested in paying the market rate. That's what we're after. And that's what Symphony is looking for. We want premium assets. There are certain brands out there that you see them, you touch them, you hear the marketing, and you just know the quality is a notch better. We're just getting started. But when we look at our 10 and 20-year plans, we want to go after quality. And that's what we want to return to our investors. And quality pays. I like the strategy, you know, the areas. And yeah, those are big, exciting areas that you know are not going anywhere. Things are ultra competitive. So if you are an LP and you're listening, you hear a deal there and you're comfortable with the group and the penciling and the underwriting, there are places that they're very, very competitive for a reason. A lot of people really see that value. So Bradley, this has been great having you on. I think we share very similar values. I think a lot of the listeners can really relate to a lot of things that you had said on this episode. How can people get a hold of you and who should reach out? I'm Bradley. It's Bradley at symphonycapitalgroup.com. That's our website. We're on LinkedIn, all the social media as well, but email or through our website if you'd like to see the assets. Myself and our partnership of four guys, we'd love to talk with anybody about their investment plans or what they're looking at. And if you're looking to buy more in Texas, so are we. So let's see what the synergies are and go from there. Absolutely. Uh, Listeners, we're going to put some of those resources in the show notes so you can navigate straight from there. And while you're there, if you haven't already, of course, make sure you download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Building Generational Wealth and Passive Cash Flow Through Multifamily Real Estate. Bradley, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Justin. I really appreciate it.